a pizza made with a unique cheese, the battle over an iconic dish's invention, and why toasted raviolis weren't originally breaded. This week, we're back in St. Louis. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is where we sample the best dishes and drinks from around the world. And this week, we're back in St. Louis with Pete Manzo with side trips to Tuscany and Puglia, Italy. But first, if you could rate and review the podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it. Just go to your podcast app and give us a five-star review. And thank you so very, very much. Pete Manzo is a foodie tour guide in St. Louis who takes guests to the famous Italian neighborhood of The Hill. He also does week-long tours in Tuscany and Puglia in Italy. Pete and I talked about The Hill last week and some of the best bakeries and gelato in the neighborhood. And this week, we talk about two St. Louis specialties, St. Louis-style pizza and toasted ravioli. Then Pete talks about truffle hunting with some uber-adorable dogs in Tuscany and relaxing in Puglia. Okay, I'm starving for some toasted ravs, so let's eat. Destination, eat, drink. Pete Manzo from Eat St. Louis Food Tours. Thanks for coming back. We talked to you last week a little bit about the hill in St. Louis and some of the great food in St. Louis, especially Italian food, but ran out of time. And there's more to talk about in St. Louis, and we've got to talk about going to Italy with your groups. So thanks for returning to Destination Eat Drink. It's great to have you back. Oh, it's great to be here again. Thank you so much. I want to talk about a couple of specific uh, dishes in St. Louis that are unique to St. Louis. And the first one is St. Louis-style pizza, which is something... I, I grew up in the Midwest. I'm a Chicago guy. I did not know about St. Louis style pizza until I started doing this podcast. I didn't know that it was a thing. And then I heard about this and I just thought it was so unique. Can you tell me a little bit about St. Louis style pizza? Share with our audience what it is exactly. Absolutely. So uh, St. Louis style pizza has three components. You got the crust. A crust is thin, somewhat cracker-like, and we cut our uh, our slices into squares as opposed to wedges. Um, the sauce component, if you think about it, New York likes to use like a thinner sauce, like a passata. Um, Chicagoans like to see chunks of tomatoes in their pizza sauce. St. Louis's uh, pizza sauce is actually um very thick it's sweet more concentrated it's almost a paste it's almost like a tomato paste hmm, okay. and actually um uh, what's interesting is that and i i only know this from like i said my background in the wholesale back in the day when people when there were not pizzerias on every corner the pizzeria, those pizzerias that did exist would make their own pizza sauce. And they would start in the morning by putting their tomatoes, fresh tomatoes, and they stew it low and slow all day. And then by the time evening came around and they had to make the pizzas, their, their sauce was ready. And so you know that as you cook something low and slow, what happens? It thickens and it brings out the sweetness. 
you know, that's sort of how it became the the basic part of the St. Louis style pizza. You know, later on, when people started to figure out how to save time, they started using canned tomato paste and would doctor it up with spices. So, but that has never changed. The fact that it's a very thick sauce, whether you do it, you know, you start it on your own or you buy it, uh, the, the uh, paste in the can and doctor it up, that's going to be the base. But I think most important out of the whole style of St. Louis style pizza, what makes it St. Louis style besides those two, it's going to be the cheese. The cheese... Uh, get ready for this. <laughs> it's it's a very unique cheese that is made specifically for the St. Louis market. It's called Provel, P R O V E L, and it's a it's a processed cheese loaf that's made in Wisconsin specifically for our area. It was actually developed by uh, a company that is no longer in business, um, but it is made out of, it was called the Costa Grocery Company. It was developed in the 1950s. But it's a processed cheese loaf that is made or comprised of white cheddar, provolone, and Swiss. So when I say processed cheese loaf, it's sort of like, you know, you've seen those white American mm-hmm. five-pound square loaves. So this sort of looks the same, but obviously the taste is going to be a lot different, uh, much sharper because of the cheddar um, and the provolone that's in it. You end up being in one of two camps. You either love it or you hate it. <laughs> uh, the, the cheese. And, you know, St. Louis, I always say, I don't know if they made some sort of baby food out of this stuff and fed it to all the children, but it seems like everybody <laughs> in St. Louis just loves this cheese. And so they put it on everything everywhere you'll go into a restaurant and they'll have garlic cheese bread which i guess you know traditionally might be made out of have some mozzarella or something on it but here because it's st louis they're going to throw some provel on it you go to a restaurant you order a salad oh my goodness surprise surprise there's provel on the salad it's everywhere whether you love it or you hate it the thing i love is that this regional dish has become so popular and has had staying power in St. Louis, the St. Louis style pizza and the Provel cheese. Where where do you like to go to get a a St. Louis style pie when you're in St. Louis? I'm going to answer that in two parts because where I go and then where the majority of people go are going to be two different places. But, uh, but, and I'm not saying one is better than the other, but, uh, and, and I got to tell you that when I give my tours a whole disclaimer in the beginning where I say, hey, you're going to hear a lot of opinion, but that's essentially what you paid me for. So <laughs> if you don't like what I say, don't, you know, turn it off. But I've got a lot of opinions because I've been around a long time. So on the Hill, I go to Guido's. Guido's is actually owned by a um, family that was from Spain and they were one of the first restaurants to, to have tapas, to bring tapas uh, to the area. But the owner, Miguel Caratero actually has a history 
of being a pizzaiolo. So he opened up his own pizzeria when he was young. He's about four years older than I am. So while I was working for my dad, he had his own pizza place in South City, and he was developing his recipe for pizzas. So one of the things I love about his pizza is I I am... I had mixed feelings about Provel. I'm going to be honest. Some it sometimes it's like has a tendency to stick to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> what he does, and I think he realized this too when he was dealing with the public, and he would get the feedback from the people that went into his pizzeria. Was uh, he decided to blend it, and he came up with a great blend of mozzarella and Provel. So, oh. you know, there's something to be said about the psychological portion of eating and especially pizza. You know, when you bite into a pizza, no matter where you're from, you have this sort of, uh, you expect the cheese to sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, to, to stretch and be creamy, uh, be a little creamy. Stretch. Yes. Yeah. You know, like, because mozzarella has that sort of stretchiness. So, if you have a Provel only pizza, like you know, Emos does, uh, I'll talk about Emos in a minute. But there are some pizza places that use Provel only, and when you use Provel only, there's no stretch. So the mildness of the mozzarella plus the sharpness of that uh, that the uh, Provel just seems to be perfect. So that's why I go to Guido's. Um, now the rest of the world, <laughs> the re everybody else in St. Louis tends to go to emos. And I have to say, if you are a purist and you want to experience it the way it originated, emos is the place to go. It is a chain, but it is owned by a St. Louis family who is very, a very generous family that has given back several fold to the hill and uh in other communities but a lot of people think that emos is and when i say emos it's i-m-o a lot of people think that emos originated the st louis style pizza and they think this because it's such an old company that has been part of the fabric of st louis for so long that you know, if you don't do any research, that's sort of a natural assumption. But, um, you know, it was actually a Joe and Lou Parente of just a, this is a little fun fact. It was actually a, a very small um, outfit called Joe and Lou Parente, uh, Parente's Pizza that actually used Proval while everybody else was using mozzarella. And they're the ones that developed this special St. Louis style. But Emos does deserve credit. I, I'm all for giving credit where credit is due. The Margin Eddie Emo get credit for popularizing it. They brought it to the masses by franchising the idea. They opened their first location, I think it was November of 64. Uh, yeah, I think it was 1964. And they were the first to offer delivery and takeout. So they made it easy to purchase it and and eat it. And it became very popular very quickly. So if, you, if you're coming through St. Louis and you don't have a lot of time, 
because a lot of the emos places are takeout only or some may still have some dine-in areas, but mostly it's a takeout situation. You can grab a, a pizza for the road, but, uh, but that, yeah, I mean, they, they're the ones that, that have been doing it the longest. So they know how it, if you're a purist, that's the place I would say go to. Like for my sister, my sister lives in Georgia. Every time I pick her up at the airport, we have to stop at Emo's on the way home. <laughs> we have to get a pizza because she cannot wait one moment more without her Emo. She's like, pizza. Pete, Pete, I'd love to see the family, but first things first, we're going to Emo's. Absolutely. <laughs> All about, I see where her priorities are. <laughs> Let's uh, let's talk about another St. Louis invention, which is toasted ravioli. Now, m maybe a lot of people haven't heard of St. Louis style pizza, but everyone's heard of toasted ravioli because it became popular in, I don't know, the 80s or the 90s. It seemed every restaurant was then making toasted ravioli. But tell me a little bit about the history of toasted ravs and where you like to go to uh, get a nice plate of toasted ravioli. Toasted ravioli. Wow. Did you open up a can of worms on that one? <laughs> that's, my um, that's my job, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we've got two, uh, we've got two restaurants that both claim that they originated it. We've got Charlie Gito's and they're both located on the hill. We've got Charlie Gito's and then we have Mama's, um, formerly Mama Campisi's. Um, and then, so while both of them don't have like something that that says you know this is for sure where it, where it originated so neither of them really have any proof they both just sort of agreed to both claim it and <laughs> and people can just decide where they want to eat their ravioli and uh, optimally, maybe they'll eat at both and make their own decision which one they like, you know, better. But, you know, as we, as you may or may not have heard, it was actually an error, an accident, uh, how it came about. Um, Mama's, Mama's Restaurant, which is actually where we stop currently um, on the hill, is one of the places and the story is that there was a nearby restaurant where after work all of the employees uh waiters and everything would go down to mama's and relax and talk to chef fritz you know they'd go in the back door in the kitchen and one day chef fritz was uh, making veal scallopini with red wine and instead of putting the red wine in the veal scallopini, he was drinking most of it. So he got a little okay. toasted, if you will. You like, you like my play on words? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so he got a little toasted. And an order came back in the kitchen for ravioli. So he got the ravioli ready. And then he, because he was a little tipsy, he accidentally dropped it into the vat of hot oil, which was next to the boiling water. So he, he put it in the wrong pot, essentially. And then he realized his mistake. And if you know any Italians, we don't waste anything. So it out. he wasn't going to throw them away. He's not going to throw it out. He sent it up to the 
the table that ordered it. He said, just tell them it was uh, uh, something special that the uh, chef was working on. He made it especially for them. Well, it turns out that the people actually loved it. Uh, yeah, it was like these were guys that were gathered around the bar and they were drinking beer. So, of course, anything fried was going to be amazing. Right. Uh, so they went back and they told their friends about that amazing dish that Chef Fritz made for them. And then before you know it, people just started coming in and asking for this dish. And that's that's how it all originated. It was an accident. And if you think about I want you to I want you to realize something about my story. I didn't say anything about breading. Right, right. So a lot of the ravioli, toasted ravioli that you'll buy here in St. Louis is breaded. They'll take uh I actually know a restaurant that made some some great ravioli and they would take the uh they would take the regular boiled ravioli and then just bread them and then fry them so those were just delicious now where do i eat them sadly one of the what i think is one of the best ravioli makers mama toscano's uh closed um they just sort of the owner's kind of aged out of the business. And uh, so they closed. But uh, the Charlie Gitos that I spoke about, I, I'm my, my confession is that I had never been there up until about a year ago. And my friend Christine was like, I, I, I was asking her, I'm like, What's, where's your favorite toasted ravioli? It's like, oh, you have to go to Charlie Gitos. So we went to dinner there and with the purpose of trying these toasted ravioli, and I was very skeptical. I'm just a very skeptical person by nature. And wow, did was I proven not to be skeptical. It was really good. <laughs> I mean, really, really, I didn't expect to be to be as good as it was. Um, so I highly would recommend toasted ravioli at either of the places that originated. Um, and again, I always tell people if if you're driving through and you need to, to stop somewhere, you can stop at a grocery store and they will have toasted ravioli that you can throw in a cooler, uh, heat frozen on your way to wherever you're going. They're not going to be the same. These are mass produced. They're not horrible but they're not as good as they could be when you get them fresh. And I know Charlie Gito's makes so much of it that it's made fresh in-house. Pete, you also do tours to Italy. You do uh, culinary vacations to Italy. And tell me a little bit about this, because I always am excited when you can not only go and do a food tour that lasts maybe an afternoon or half a day or something like that, but this is a whole several days of enjoying amazing food and you're in Italy. Tell me about your idea behind this. So, you know, COVID changed a lot of things for everybody. It impacted everybody. And so, um, I had, I had, Pre-COVID, I had three walking tours, and then I had to shut two of them down, and the hill survived. And during that downtime, I had a lot of time to think about what I wanted to do with my business, with me, and sort of 
man, it forced me to think about stuff. So in the back of my head, I always wanted to do these multi-day trips. I wanted to, I had been traveling, I'd been traveling since I was a, a kid, but to Italy for probably the past 10 years prior. And I always wanted to meet or to bring people from the U.S., to Italy and have them have the same experience that I did. And yes, it is a food tour, but it's, it's also about the people and these people that I introduce you to on the tour are as much an, an integral part of the experience as the food itself. And the food is really amazing. Um, if you go to my website, uh, tripstosaver.com, on the front page, there's a picture of our truffle experience, the family that runs our truffle experience. And I just absolutely love this family. Um, you'll see the older man on the right is Luigi. He's the dad, and he's the actual hunter. You have uh, Luca on the left. He's the He's one of two brothers. He's the winemaker. Brother, which is not pictured, Simone actually is a, a chef. And and then you have the stars of the show, the dogs. Of You've course. got um, those dogs. Aren't they beautiful? Yes. They're just beautiful. That's um, that's they call it. Uh, the breed is called Lagotta Romagnola. It's a Labradoodle, the famous truffle hound breed. Yes, and uh, and the the older one up front with uh, the with Luigi is called Ricciolo. He's about uh, three and a half years old um, last year, and then behind him is his son Rospo, and Rospo. So the names are. Rospo is five months old. And so Richolo, the dad, Richolo means curly because of his hair. And Rospo, the word means toad because he's so little. Nice. It's cute. It's just adorable. But these, these, uh, these dogs, we go out with them. Uh, Luigi teaches us all about how they're trained, which is just fascinating. We get to watch them uh, detect where these truffles are and and dig them out. Uh, he, Luigi doesn't speak any English, so uh, Luca, his son, um, does a lot of the translating, and then I also translate also because sometimes you know I my guests will be asking questions. Luca's got information that he's trying to decipher from what his dad said. And then there's censorship. I have to censor some of the things, things that are said, you know? Like last time I was there, Luigi, uh, people were talking about um, how the dog was so well-behaved. And Luigi, like a stereotypical Italian male, says... Yeah, he listens better than my wife does. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I did not uh, uh, translate that because it was actually a group of women that were on the tour, all women on yeah. my tour. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, 
not only am I a food tour guide, but I also do a really good job at censoring things when they need be. You may have saved his <laughs> life is what may have happened there. <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. You'd be surprised a lot of people don't know what a truffle is. Or I would say if they, if they know what a truffle is, their assumption is that it's a mushroom. Mm-hmm. The difference, I, I don't know if you went through this on another show or not, but the uh, truffles are actually edible spores and they, they grow underground. It's underground fungus. It's a uh, part of the tuber, uh, tuberaceae family. And it's technically not the same species because mushrooms grow above ground while the truffles grow beneath the surface and a surface. And it's usually around the tree roots and it's usually in damp areas. So it's, uh, it's really fascinating to see these dogs go and find these truffles that are beneath the ground. And I'm not talking about just, lightly beneath the surface these these can be pretty deep sometimes the dog is uh will be standing there and will be we'll see him dig and dig and dig and he's really like excited and we're all kind of looking at each other like where is it because it he still hasn't gotten to it yet but lo and behold they always find it you know the nose doesn't lie yeah you know, it drives it drives me crazy. I'm glad you brought up the mushroom thing because it drives me crazy when people say, "Oh, it's just an underground mushroom." Yes, they're both fungus. They're both fung fungi, but they're completely different species. They're not mushrooms. They're truffles. They're uh, tubers, essentially, is is what they are. And the other thing that you bring up that I think is really interesting, Pete, that people should know about is that um, these dogs are highly trained. I mean, it can take two to three years for one of these truffle, truffle hunting dogs to be ready to go out and find truffles. So because of that, they are an incredibly valuable part of the family and their, their business too, because these are the guys that get it done. Humans can't smell truffles. They could go digging randomly around trees and pull up unripe truffles, but the dog is the one who can find the ripe truffles that are ready to go onto your table and be shaved over pasta or scrambled eggs or something like that. And, you know, as part of this experience, since you, you just said, uh, you know, the uses of it, we, so not only do we do the whole hunting experience, but then we get to go and see the other brother and and mom so uh mom is giuseppina and giuseppina actually has a cooking school uh in the in the town center and upper Chotaldo. but we don't go there we actually go to their country estate uh where it's beautiful i mean just the scenery if you go to the website you'll also see some of the pictures that were uh you'll see pictures of giuseppina and the, the spread that she makes of food for us using the truffles. And, you know, uh, not just Giuseppina is cooking for us, but uh, the other brother, uh, Simone. Um, he's the guy with the, the beautiful Italian little mustache in the pictures. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so they both cook for us and we have 
some amazing dishes there. It's really, really a wonderful experience. I do want to just say, I think a lot of people uh, think that dogs were always used to, to do truffles, but actually it was female pigs were traditionally used to hunt for truffles. Um, but now it's mostly canines because canines, once they're trained, they're less likely than pigs to eat the truffles That's once right. they find them. Yeah. Once, so. Yeah. And, and, you know, there have been, if you, you see like an old truffle hunter in Italy, we, we saw this in Croatia too. Um, they might be missing a finger because trying to dig that, uh, trying to pry that truffle away from that pig can be a dangerous proposition. <laughs> and, you know, we saw a retired, we stayed at a and b in Croatia and we saw a retired uh, truffle hunting pig. But as you said, Pete, uh, it's, it's dogs now. In fact, I know in France and I think in Italy as well, um, it's illegal to use pigs uh, to go truffle hunting because of the damage that they do to the ecosystem. Because when they dig, they just really destroy the roots of the trees. It damages the forest and they just don't want them out there. And so I know in France they're illegal and I'm, you'll have to, I'll have to check on this, but I'm pretty sure in Italy it's illegal to use a pig to uh, go truffle hunting as well. I'm going to, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Luigi next time I see him. There you go. This <laughs> September. This September, I get to see him. Perfect. What else, anything else you want to say about your uh, culinary vacations that you take? You know, I've always wanted to do this. I, last year, I, I I did my two sold out tours. And then this year, um, I still have a few spots available, but they sold out really. The spots I did sell sold really early because the people that came back from the other tour told their friends. So I had a few cancellations due to health issues. So I have some openings for this September tour. Now, I also wanted to introduce a new tour. Um, we're doing Puglia. So mm. while I was there last year uh, in, I think it was October of 22, I um, went and sort of did some research around Puglia and put together another culinary itinerary. And, you know, this one's a little different. The, the, Tuscany, the Tuscany tour, we go into a villa. Like, I've got this, selected this beautiful villa that has a pool. We have wonderful, um, a wonderful area that we stay at, but we only unpack once, and that's when you get there. Now, Puglia, we do move once because we do – we stay – you know, the first few days in one location, then we move down to another. So we get a change of scenery uh, that's built into that tour. Uh, that tour, And also, um, people said, now they weren't complaining about the Tussie tour. They just said, hey, that was a really aggressive itinerary. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I agree. But I just want to make sure you get a good value for the amount of money that you're paying, you know. And so sure. they agreed, like, you know, as, as a result of my evaluations, um, they all said it was a, an amazing value uh, for the amount of activities and meals that we cram into that week. So this one has a little bit more uh, time on your own, a little bit, um, I can't say less food. I would just say more free time to to get a little bit more relaxation into it. But definitely 
a lot of unique food experiences and because they the location Puglia is you know along the water we have uh, a different scenery as opposed to the countryside mm-hmm. we do get a little bit of countryside on the Puglia tour but it, there's also a lot of water so I mean both of those itineraries are on the website uh, Puglia is wide open right now um, because we just uh, opened it up for registration that's to take place at the end of September. Uh, the good thing about Trips to Savor, which is the the name of the small group tour company. So Eat St. Louis is the walking food tours, and Trips to Savor is the small group uh, Italy tours. So I just did two different brands to, to market them separately. Sure. But um, I don't know. I'm just really excited. And, and the fact that people can actually sponsor a trip. So let's say that uh, from my Tuscany tour, I realized that there's a lot of people that like to travel with with their group. So, um, you know, we had an entire family of women. It was all the women in the same family, and they like to to do a trip every year uh, together. And so they they sponsored a trip. They essentially called me up, said, "Hey, I will guarantee that I will fill these spots." You know, which is a minimum of 10 and a maximum of 12 people. So if you can get 10 people, uh, which is only five couples, you can sponsor a trip. I'll hold that week vacation for you and put down some deposits and it's yours. You've got until I think it's like 120 days out to, to have everybody pay for it. But that's a great way to guarantee that, you know everybody that's on the tour. But, you know, some people like to do that, and some people take tours so that they can meet other people. And, sure. uh, you know, that's how I am. I love – I don't know if you could – I don't know if you figured it out, but I do love people. I love talking to people. <laughs> and so when I when I go out, when I, if I take a tour, I, I do it so that I can meet others, and I talk to locals and figure out what is unique to that area. So. I got to say, Pete, um, we'll, we'll have, and of course, we'll have a link to your trips to saver.com in, in the show notes at radiomisfits.com. Um, but I did want to say, I love Puglia, and I'm so glad that you're doing a dedicated tour to Puglia because I think a lot of people aren't even aware where Puglia is. You know, if you think of Italy as a boot, it's the heel of, it's a heel of the boot. And it's one of my favorite places in all of Italy. I love the people. I love the olive oil. I love the orecchiette. I love the, uh, <laughs> the rapini. <laughs> uh, there's oh, yeah. so much to love about Puglia. So I'm really happy that you're doing a trip there. Well, uh, Pete Manzo from um, Eat St. Louis Food Tours, thank you so much for being on Destination Eat Drink. It's been great talking to you about the cuisine of St. Louis. It's also been great talking to you about going to Italy. So thanks for being here. Brett, thanks for happening, having me on the show. This is pretty awesome. I just love telling people about St. Louis and all the wonderful things that we do here. Uh, you know, I, just one last parting thought. That is that I was just talking about the hill. St. Louis is full of different neighborhoods, each one having their own personality and things that they're known for. So again, 
if if you don't come in St. Louis for me, do it for yourself because this really should be on your food radar. Okay, there you go. Pete's a great ambassador for St. Louis and those trips to Italy. Well, they sound amazing. You can get in touch with Pete at stlouisfoodtours.com and tripstosaver.com. That's trips, the number two, saver.com. I've also got links to Pete and the places he talked about in the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash ded229. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, we're talking film tourism with Pip Jones, places you can visit where James Bond and Harry Potter movies were filmed, as well as Game of Thrones locations. So don't miss that. Until then, get over to DestinationEatDrink.com. I just posted a story about the bridges of Lyon, France. Get that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. I'm also doing foodie travel videos, so subscribe to my YouTube channel at Destination Eat Drink 946. I just posted a video there about the best things to do on your trip to Cordoba, Spain. You can also see the video on DestinationEatDrink.com by clicking on the Videos tab. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy we toast with a toasted ravioli, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson, and I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.